doing our networks expansion 2020 and just you know tonight I want to talk about breaking free of poverty and um, we're going to play a video first off so with that thought in mind it's from Craig Rochelle now Craig Rochelle uh, he is America's number one church growth person came in and preached our conference and uh, he's grown his church from about 300 to 90,000 so he knows something about church growth and a great preacher and a good person. So thanks, guys. Isn't that a great thought? I was, uh, can I have some lights here or I'll never see my notes? It'll be a very short message tonight. But I remember first Lindsay showed me that was on Twitter or something rather. And um, I don't know what it's on, but one of those things. But it, it was just, I just got a blessing out of listening to it. I thought, you know, it is true, you know, it's... You get a joy out of being generous. You, know, you don't get a joy out of spending over the long term, do you? So with that thought, breaking free from the spirit of poverty. I've got a story to tell you about a particular person. Can I just go down a fraction? Thank you. Just in, in sound, just come down. Thanks. That's good. I, I can raise my voice a little bit more. But um, it's about the story of this uh, person got saved and... Uh, you know, his whole goal in life was to make money. You know, and uh, anyhow, he, he has an encounter with Jesus. And, uh, well, it wasn't really Jesus, it was just an angel. And, uh, you know, I mean, more than a thing. But he has this encounter with the angel, and, and he says, Look, he said, Look, uh, when I die, he said, Can I take a bag of gold to heaven? Because and the angel says, Don't be ridiculous. You can't take gold to heaven. He said, Look, please. He said, I, I want to take gold to heaven he said look i don't travel without it i just you know i, I want to take it and so finally the agent the agent says okay when you die you can take a bag of gold to heaven so he scrimps graves gets gets all this gold together finally gets a bag together and then one day he drops dead gets to heaven and there's an angel at the door he, and the angel says what do you got in the bag he said we got gold the guy said what did you bring pavement up here for Thanks well, pavement. See, the gold, the, for those who don't know, gold, the, the pavement is what they pave heaven with gold. But anyhow, the thought is, you know, God's values are so much different than ours, aren't they? You know, when, when, what we think about rich, you know, uh, is nothing compared to about what heaven must be. The glory of God. The, you know, the, you know, everything we've seen is corrupted. And, you know, like we see heaps of beauty, but it's not the beauty without corruption, is it? I mean, I mean, what a wonderful place to be. God's going to create a new heavens, a new earth. And, uh, but, you know, we, we have this idea and this fear sometimes of poverty. And, and we have this, these thoughts about finances. And so with some of those thoughts I'd like to share with you tonight, not the thoughts of poverty, but uh, the thoughts of what, of what God thinks about some of these issues. Because it's, uh, I think it's important to get our our uh, thinking right. So turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. Uh, this has got to be one of my favorite all-time scriptures. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking from the book of Isaiah. As he reads it, S- straight after he's been baptized, ready to start his ministry, that's the first thing he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If the Spirit of the Lord is not upon you, don't bother going into ministry. Lesson number one. Okay, if you pass that one, you're ready to go to ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me 
to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those who are in captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. You know, poverty basically means to be without the basic necessities of life. You know, we, we, we live in a nation here that, um, you know, it's, what we throw away is unbelievable. Isn't it true? Yeah. I mean, what we throw out in the dump goes out. What we put beside the road is, uh, is unbelievable. You know, we, we don't really have poverty in Australia. I mean, uh, you've just got to go to some other nations. I think, you know, going to a place like India or, or places, some of those places in, in Asia. And uh, a lot of those are changing very fast. But, you know, there's just... So, you, you, and then you really see what poverty is like. People who... You know, I, I'll never forget my first trip to India, and only trip to India, and the only one I'll ever take to India. But uh, uh, I, I remember I took this photo of this lady. She was quite thin. She was, she was elderly. And, uh, and, and she was, you know, you, know, she, you could see that she, you know, she's just skinny as, a, as anything. And she's holding this sledgehammer. You all know what a sledgehammer is, don't we? And her, her whole job was to take rocks this size and doing road work and break them into rocks that size with a sledgehammer for $1 a week. I think that was the thing that blew my mind. I mean, Dolly, I, I, I've never got that image out of my head. I thought, that's, that's poverty. I mean, that's hard work. And, uh, you know, we, and I think sometimes when, when we hear words like poverty, you know, God wants us poor, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, we've got conflicting thoughts in our hearts and our minds. And I want to, to share some things about those thoughts of poverty. You know, it says that Jesus, you know, was uh, rich. You know, he was in heaven, but he emptied himself everything and became poor. And so we think that, that you know, we've got to do likewise, you know, empty ourselves of, of, of riches and become poor. But when he emptied himself of his riches, I mean, it's not like our riches. It's like, uh, how do you explain to that woman in India what we have at home? How do we explain to them that you can be over here on a pension and on the dole, and you're getting $600 or 800 or whatever it is a fortnight. And she's getting $2 a fortnight. How do, how do you explain that? You know, there's a different concept of poverty, and, and we've got to realize that, you know, you know poverty is, is in when we haven't got enough to eat. You know, poverty is when we don't have a, a house over, a roof over our heads. Poverty is when we don't have clothes on our things. You know, you know, the, and when you think of that, the, you know, God doesn't expect us to live in poverty. I mean, how can God bless you and say, well, guys, you know, you're going to run around naked. You know, you're not going to have a roof over your head. You know, no, God, God obviously wants us to be blessed. You know, he starts off all the parables with the thought of blessing. You know, poverty, when God talks about it, is often about you know, spiritual poverty. You know, we don't realize that we are spiritually bankrupt. I think of that woman in, in India and use that illustration again. She doesn't realize how poor she really is. 
because she doesn't know anything different. You know, but we have never seen heaven. Well, I haven't been to heaven. You might have been to heaven. If you've been to heaven lately, please tell me. I'd like to hear your testimony. Uh, for those who are going to heaven, I hope you come back again. <laughs> Just in case you go this week. But for those, for those of us have the intention of staying down here and doing a little bit more work down here for the kingdom of God's sake, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know what heaven's going to be like. I remember uh, Rich Cook wrote a song. And uh, Rich Cook used to be the, be the, uh, the first church Lindsay and I had went to an Amer- in America called Melody Land. It was a church on the round, opposite Disneyland, with 20,000 members. Uh, first mega church in the United States. But Rich Cook was the music director, and, and he, and he uh, wrote a song, never forgotten it. Uh, Just imagine what heaven would be like if going to churches like this down here. That's the closest we can get it, isn't it? The joy of the Lord and the excitement, the presence of God. But, but, you know, we really, are, are, it's really nothing like seeing God for the first time. There's nothing like to being able to, you know, to see the glory, to see the throne room, to see beings that we've never even imagined before. You know, it, it, you know it, it's, it, I mean, we won't, you know, when you see that with the realize it doesn't matter how gifted we are down here, how big the church is there down here, how posh the churches might be down here, how much money they've spent down there, how big the choirs are and how many musicians we have. You know, it's going to look pretty sick compared to heaven, isn't it? You know, this is what uh, Jesus said about the church in Laodicea, the last church, if I can quickly find it, from in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. It simply says this, I must have missed that one out when I was typing up my scriptures today. Let me just read it from my Bible. It's good to read it from the Bible when you can't find it on your notes. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, God is, of course, writing to the seven churches. Judgment is, Revelation is about the judgment of God, where God makes decisions and judges as well, the final decisions. The court case of the kingdom of God is there. And of course, he comes to the church for it first, because he said judgment must first begin at the house of God. So he comes to the church and gives the church an opportunity to change before he begins to pour out judgment upon the world. And so, But he says to this church, the seventh church, and some people think that these churches are an order of... Uh, you know, this is the, that we are the latest in the last church. It says, the, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things. These things to the, say to the amen, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. You know, poverty. We've got a poverty work. So you know, he said, so then because of your lukewarmness, you're neither hot nor cold. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And he says, Verse, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? When God often speaks about poverty, he's, po- he's talking about the poverty that we have spiritually. You know, we, I am amazed how, how people can live in poverty. Voluntarily, you know, uh, we had a guy um, in Bundaberg. Remember, his wife uh, 
you know, he, 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 was, he was living out of the garbage bins because he was an alcoholic. But, you know, it's like a voluntary, you know, I mean, why would you in a nation like Australia want to live out of the garbage cans when you could live in a home where you could be with his wife and his family? You know, as ridiculous as that sounds, that's exactly what this passage is talking about. It's talking about, you know, we, we live far beyond what God's given us. You know, we're blessed with every spiritual blessings now in heavenly places. Yeah, our job is to bring over those blessings down here onto earth here. You know, I spoke this morning and um, probably for the first or second time on that thought of the spirit of remaining. You know, when God comes and visits us, He delivers us, but there remains a spirit. Like I like it, probably the best thing we think about is the trauma. You know, when you have, when you have a, a huge hurt, it leaves a trauma, and that trauma remains. You can find, you know, it remains in the respect that people get, uh, they have, they, they get um, dreams, for instance, nightmares, keeps on popping up there. You know, and, and, the, and they find it hard to get it out of their minds. It keeps on recurring, and it comes and recurs at the most unusual places. You know, it, it's, it's, it's that thing, it, there's, and, and we call it post-traumatic stress syndrome, you which know, is very popular, I should say popular is not the right word, very uh, common amongst soldiers very common amongst accident victims, very common with someone who's had traumatic stress. We don't realize that when we've had a traumatic stress, that the, the emotion drives the spirit. And that spirit hangs around about us. And, and you know, for a while, we talk about this, the emotions, we talk about the spirit, then after a while, the spirit begins to talk to us. And it doesn't s- cease talking to us, it, it remains you know, and uh, we lived uh, in America in a place called Columbine. Who remembers Columbine? Ever heard of Columbine? Columbine was probably the first major uh, school shooting in the, in the United States there. We had kids that were uh, uh, at the school at Columbine there. But, you know, we came about two years after Columbine. But even ten years later, you know, Columbine still has a scar. It's like it's, it's defined who they are. For, for those who don't know what Columbine is like... Think of that happening to uh, over here to um, uh, what I'm trying to what suburb we're likening it to. It'd be close to uh, Carindale. No, it's an upmarket suburb. It's not a poor uh, suburb of of Denver. You know, if you want to go to poor suburb, you go to Aurora. Uh, But you know, but it's an upmarket. It's a middle. It's a middle to upper class suburb. Good houses. Good, good schools. Everything about it is nice. That's where our church was. You know, but, but that's where the shootings occurred. Yeah, and, but it left, but you can see when we went there, there's spirit that remains there. They can't get rid of Columbine. You know, it's, it's a thought. It leaves a scar. It, it speaks to that community all the time. You know, and they can't get rid of it. Now, that's a community because it speaks to communities. But when it begins to speak to us, you know, it becomes a problem. Yeah, and, and I asked you this morning, I'll ask you again tonight, because I think it's so important to say, you know, what speaks to you? What speaks to you? You know, I believe that what I liked about the video tonight, and he talked about when you spend, it doesn't really speak to you, does it? You won't ever tell stories about how much you spent. You know, I bought, you know, what I put on the credit card this week, you won't go around telling those stories. But you will talk about the stories at some stage with somebody 
about how you gave and how the and the, how that person reacted how they burst into tears how that how it was just what they needed at the right time you know and and you'll you'll you, you, it'll it'll make you feel good, and you'll tell that story over and over again. You know, there's there's a spirit that should remain in us and be around about us and speak to us. You know, we, we should have testimonies. You know, I, I I think you know we are lukewarm. Talking about the latest in church now, not we here. Just in case you're thinking that I'm having a go at you, we are lukewarm because nothing speaks to us. If you've got a reasonable amount of wealth, you avoid the crises of life. True? Hopefully. You won't avoid them all, but you'll, you'll certainly avoid a lot more than you would where if you're living in um, war-torn countries, something like that. But you can escape war-torn countries. You can avoid it. But so we live in a, in, 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 in a, in a life that doesn't show, you know, we don't get emotional about religion the way we should. It doesn't excite us. You know, you know, I, I guess the, the question is, you know, what remains in our life and what's speaking to us? If nothing is speaking to us, then we've got nothing of the Spirit of God remaining over our life. We might have had an encounter with God. We might have been born of the Spirit. But if, but if nothing is remaining there, if there's not a, some, a sense of excitement, if there's not a sense of the call of God, you know, I, you know I'm always blown away with pastors who who uh, quit the ministry and, and go back uh, fishing. I'm thinking, what happened to the call? Yeah, because I, I listen to them, you know, because they, they, they always love to tell them they're going to go out there and they're going to have this many in the church, they're going to do this, do that, and then they're going to set the world on fire. And about two months there, you know, they, they, they've quit. They're hurt and, you know, people don't go out there. The movement didn't really do good. Nobody rung them up. It's always everybody else's fault except theirs. You know, and it, it begins to speak to you, know, and, and, but that remains over life, and they remain embittered. You'll know Christians like that. They come to church, you know, and they're so excited about church, and then the first thing that happens, the first crisis that happens, first time someone says something negative to them, you know, all of a sudden, they hurt me. You know, you know, and, and, and it begins to speak to them. They don't realize that they've encouraged by a spirit around about them, they don't realize the poverty that they're living in. You know, but I believe we've got, a, we've got one of our things. Our vision is to see communities transformed by one spiritual encounter at a time. You know, I believe every time we hear a testimony, we should get excited about it. You know, when, when, when we see, you know, when we hear about, say, Katie Strong, I mean, you should have been there with, uh, this morning with me at Katie Strong. I'm just so uh, disappointed that I didn't think of, of recording. He, he, Katie is not the, well, you know, I mean, Katie's a fairly, uh, what's I'm trying to look at? You know, Katie is a calm girl, if I could put it that way. Hey? Conservative. Reserved, yeah, she's a reserved girl. You know, Ka you know, Katie's, uh, you know Katie's a girl that, uh, you know, she's got every hair in place, right? I mean, Ka Katie always looks immaculate. You don't see Katie not looking like Katie. I've never seen a disheveled Katie, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, she's always calm. She's always nice. She's always, she's just, she's just a lovely girl. This morning I go over to there and she was telling me the funniest story. You know, she said, oh, you wouldn't believe. She, she said, this week, she said, yesterday, she was talking about how she had to go to the solicitors, how she go to the, there, and everything went wrong this one particular day when they when they're meant to get everything in for the, from the council. 
and into the title's office. And, you know, and, and she was telling me the story of a story about, you know, she had, there's a stamp missing because you know, they were doing their own conveyancing. And the stamp was meaning she had to go with three children, you know, one can't walk in the t- stroller, two young ones there. You know, I mean, that's just what you want in a line-up in, a, in an office, isn't it? She has to go down. She's thinking, like, it, it's, 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 it'll be 15 minutes away. But she said, I forgot about, about all the uh, lights that were on the way there. So, you know, I, you know it, it took me half an hour, and I've got all these kids in tow. We're walking down there. We're racing back. We get there, you know, and it's closed. You know, she's, she's talking about the whole day. She says, you know the thing that changed? I sat down, and, you know, it was just the worst day of my life. But God came through. Then she said, I was just sitting down there, and I was thinking, she said, yeah, and then she told me about, you know, how she, you know, how she'd uh, remembered about, you know, Lindsay gave the testimony tonight, how she couldn't have children. Then all of a sudden, with prayer, she began to have, ch- she had children. Now she's got three of them. You know, uh, you know, and then she told me that the story about Ben. You know, Ben, Ben couldn't work because his back was so uh, injured for a while there. Pray for him, and now, you know, Ben's uh, nothing wrong with Ben. I mean, she's just you know, we have been. She's saying, you know, we are just so blessed. But it wasn't the fact that she's saying that it was excitement she was saying it with. It was enthusiasm she saying. You know, it, it was the, you know, she was she was hot about it. You know, she, you know, it was speaking to her, and she's just, you know, you can see she said, you know, no matter what's coming at me, and all these things are happening to her. You know, the negative things like, uh, I mean, they're in a, they're in a bit of a crisis time, you might say, because you know, uh, the the company's working for uh, have uh, closed down, and uh, so he's got no job now. And he was on good wages, and, and they're just relying on their, you know, their house and their investment homes and things like that to support them, and, and they've been doing them up. And, and you know, but then all that's run out now, and, and then they had to sell this house, and, and, and they're having trouble selling this house. You know, there's just pressure after pressure after pressure. But in spite of it, she had this. You know, it wasn't the pressures that were talking to her. It was the spirit of God. It was a testimony. It was expectations, hope. You know, see, that's what I think a rich person is. You know, the lady says they, they might have had money, but, but they didn't have that ability to, you know, they didn't have that ability to get a hold of the, of the blessings. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And bring it down. Can I encourage you this week? My time is up, and I have diverged so far from my notes that it's not even remotely like them. Don't know why they bother doing them up. But <coughs> I want you to, I'd like you this week. I want, can I give you an exercise to do this week for all of us? I want you to sit down and, and ask yourself what are the things that when everything is quiet, that talk to you? What fears, what doubts? List all the negative things. You know, Name the spirit that tries to get you to live in that remaining area that you haven't been set free from yet. Find out what it is. You know, th- there'll be a number of spirits, and when you pull off that layer, there might be another layer, and there'll be another layer. You know, you probably spend your whole life looking for layers that are there because we don't stop because we're going from glory to glory. But if you don't pull them down and just say, hey, I'm going to actively go against the spirit. I'm going to, you know, and, and the way you beat a spirit is to do the opposite. The Bible says for 
put in the spirit of praise for the garment of heaviness. It's the opposite. Put on humility for pride. It's the opposite. You know, put on boldness for fear. But say, I, I'm, going, I'm going to walk. See, it's a decision that I'm going to say, this is the spirit that's here, that is bad. This is the spirit that is good. This is really theologically technical terms, bad and good. But I'm going to just make a decision to do the right thing or the good thing. When I'm hurt, I'm going to act healthy. You know, when I'm angry, I'm going to act with patience. You know, the Bible says soft words turn around wrath. You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to consciously walk in the spirit. You know, I had some, I had one guy that just just had a knack of right saying the wrong thing to me all the time in my church. Like you say, I've been um, Christian longer than you've been born. Attitudes like that, you know, and he'd, and he'd always be complaining about the sound. He'd always complain about that. And he'd always remember every single issue that ever happened. And he'd always bring them up. And, and I'd find that, you know, as soon as he say, you know, my, my emotions would arise. And I have to tell myself, I'd have to say, Peter, calm down. Peter, speak softly. Because he was one of those lo- loud, big, boisterous type guys and he'd, he'd stand over me and uh, you know he was quite he was a lot taller than I was he'd stand over me and tell me these things you know and, and I, I purposely just talk quietly yeah because something in me so I wanted to yell as far as I could I'm not stupid enough to hit him in the head because he would have been um, I would have come out the second best there but but I certainly felt like it though but, but I, I learned to learn the, that opposite spirit See, we're people of the Spirit. We've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. You know, there's a Spirit of life, there's a Spirit of death. We're debtors to walk in the Spirit. You know, to say, hey, you know, put oppression or put on joy. You know, we've we've got to isolate that Spirit and determine to live differently. And then what I like to do, this is the last point I'm making, with the band behind me, do something make a memorial and say this day I'll remember I'm going to do something I'm going to create an action I'm going to give some money I'll, 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 I'll just do something that's so different I'll, I'll just be generous or I'll, I'll just uh, you know, I'll just do something that's totally different today so that and if, it, and if I make it significant enough then you know what happens that speaks to me you know what I find that happens is that often you come up and say, hey, that's a good message. i got to remember that. And then by the end of the week, we've forgotten it. Just done that. Or if you read a book and said, hey, that's a good book. I've got to, you know, two months' time, you can't remember the name of the book, let alone what was in it. You know, if, if you don't link it to a memorial, put some stones and build something there to remember it. Go out and buy something and just sit it on the desk there and say, hey, uh, reward yourself. If you're a dancer, my daughter did dancing. She did, she's got these cups for dancing and all those type of things. You know, if you're a runner, you get a cup or something for running a race. Uh, go and buy yourself a victory cup and engrave it. Put it on the shelf. Uh, if no one else is buy it for you, buy it for yourself. Uh, put it down and say, hey, that, you know, and people say, hey, where did you get that cup for you? So, well, that's the day that I overcome and broke my temper.
They go, what? You've got to tell me. Yep, that's the day. I remember it distinctly because I decided that day with God and with God's help and with God's grace that I'll never, ever say those words again. That's the, what's another cup you've got there? Oh, that's the cup I've got for criticism. You know, I used to be so critical that, uh, you know, and I decided one day that I'll never, ever be critical again. I'm going to be a praiser and an encourager. So hit, that's the cup. You know, this is my victory cup. I've never done it again since then. You know, it, it's a reminder. And every time you look up the cups, you can say, hey, I'm on the winner's side. Next time I visit your house, guess what I want to see on your mantle shelf? I want to see cups where you've won some victories. And say, hey, Peter, here, here. Yeah. I wrote my own graduation certificate up here. Ready to go. Run the race. Paul did that. He said, I've run the white race. He said, I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to go. I've done everything that God's asked me to do. And I've done everything that I want to be. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, he wrote his own graduation certificate. No? How neat is that? Why don't you put a few ribbons on them of victory? Do something that, that makes a memory so it remains within you. you know, that's a victory spirit. That's being rich in faith. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight I, I pray that you'll help us walk this walk and talk this talk. Lord, I, I, I pray that we would understand the things of the Spirit and how it talks to us and how it affects us in the hidden places and the mysterious places. Father, teach us your ways in Jesus' name.